right, sister queens, what is up? What is happening? How are all the things? We are back at it again. If you know who I am, or if you recognize my voice, recognize my voice, that means you've been here a while. So, hey, sis, welcome back to the queendom. If you're new to the queendom, hey, and like the folks at the black church say, welcome once, welcome twice, welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> now, do they say that at your church? <laughs> no, I've never heard that one. That's listen, one. girl. Whenever we had a program, whenever we had a program, there was always an, a, a, a section for people to come in and do the welcome. And so when I was thinking about this, podcast episode. I was like, I'm totally going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we always just said amen three times. Let the church say amen. Amen. Let the church say amen again. Amen. Let the church one more time. It's like, okay. Oh, honey, they would get so creative with those welcomes, honey. It was just like, it was so funny. But that was one of the go-tos. Welcome once, welcome twice. Welcome in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, if you are new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. Kick back, relax, stay a while. I'm Shirley Hubbard. My friend calls me. My friends call me Cheryl. You can too if that suits your fancy. I am the creator and co-host of the Shades of Strong podcast. But like we say in every episode, Shades of Strong is not just a podcast. It is a global movement where we're working diligently to dismantle the myths and the stereotypes of the strong black woman by creating safe and sacred spaces for black women to uncape, unmask, and unhide so that they can be whatever shade of strong that feels right for them. And this podcast is one of those safe and sacred spaces. So yeah, and of course I'm here with my good friend and confidant, the Natalie Bradshaw, aka Natty. What's up, girl? Hey. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, as a quick reminder, the theme for this season is thing, is things we've lost to the superwoman Kate, a.k.a. what the Kate is costing us. In the previous episode, Natty and I talked about how the Kate is costing us deep connections and sisterhood. We took a deep dive into the sisterhood wounds and what that looks like in the female, in the black female culture. And by deep dive, I mean, we talked for an over an hour and didn't even realize it. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, we did. but it was so good, and there was just so much to cover in that episode. So if you missed it, you definitely need to put it in your playlist. And in today's episode, we want to kind of continue that conversation by talking about how the Black sisterhood wound was birthed by the Black mother wound. And I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I actually had never heard of the black mother wound until I heard Jennifer Arnese talking about it on Instagram. And Jennifer was actually supposed to come on and, you know, talk about this in depth, but she had to cancel. But Natty and I thought it's still important to have the conversation. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. But before before we start pouring it out, I just want to give you guys a, a couple of quick reminders. Number one, our black from the past segment is released every other Friday. And Black from the Past, for those of you guys who are new to us and it, is a two to five minute mini so where we are normalizing and preserving Black history by shining a light on Black women who have made a significant contribution to the Black female culture, either directly or indirectly. But these Black women are often forgotten. And so Natty 
takes care of that segment. She goes out and finds these amazing women. And let me just tell y'all, she has a powerful lineup this season. Like, it's so good. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. Because there, there are women on there that I had not heard of. So I'm super excited for you guys to take a listen. So shout out for Nat, to Natty for doing the research, girl, and making that thing happen. Yes, yes. <laughs> Well, in all fairness, some of them I had already done a little bit of research on in the past. So I just, I thought it was just important to talk about them because they're amazing and they're still widely discussed the way they should be, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And we would tell y'all some of them, but we're not, we're not going to do that. Y'all going to have to tune in for it. (laughs) You just got to wait for the drip. Exactly. (laughs) Every time she drops an episode, the drip. That's exactly. Number two, the Superwoman quiz is still waiting on you. If you have not taken it, again, do yourself a favor and take it because the quiz is is going to help you get to the core of what's helping, what's contributing to you caping, masking, and hiding. And not only is it going to help you get to the core of what's causing it, it's going to show you, number one, which profile is most dominating you. And then it's going to show you how to start taking steps so that you can finally ditch the Superwoman cape. And Natty and I are taking the quiz ourselves, and we are actually going to share our results on an Instagram Live. So um, by the time y'all hear this episode, we probably will have already done that. But of course, the live stay up on IGTV. So if you go to Shades of Strong profile, just click the little box that says IGTV and check it out. And y'all can hear, you know, who, who was most dominant in us. Annalise Keating, Olivia Pope, or the other one? Mary Jane. Mary Jane um, Paul. And, and Cookie. Cookie Lion. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we'll be doing ours and we'll be and we'll be sharing our results on IG Live. So if you're not following us, follow follow us and you know all the goodness. We're Shades of Strong everywhere. And yeah, and so bonus points if you take the quiz and screenshot it and share your results with us. I mean, by bonus points, we'll find something, you know, we'll give away. <laughs> yes all right y'all let's get into it so yeah today we are talking about the mother wound and how it contributes to the sisterhood and so when i say how it contributes to it i'm talking i'm talking about the way that we live and move and have our being and how it determines how we will survive in a world that can be mean cruel and just downright ugly to Black women. And that's both within our communities and outside of our communities. So if I had to sum it all up, I would say that the mother wound is, I guess, like I was telling you earlier, Natty, similar to generational trauma, except that we are specifically saying that this trauma is coming from from our mothers. And so I think it's unconscious behaviors and beliefs that we pass down to our children and our children internalize it. And it's just passed down from generation to generation to generation. So yeah, that's what I think it is. So what do you think that? What do I think? Well, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I didn't know that this was a terminology at all until I started following Jennifer a little over a year ago. I'd heard all about daddy wounds and father issues and all that sort of thing. And the only thing that I had heard around what I'm guessing is this is the is the mother wound 
is just stories about people's dysfunctional relationships with their mother, either codependent or very antagonistic and very adversarial, or maybe even abusive. So that was the only framework that I had in my head. And so I've just, you know, like I said, just over this last year, been slowly kind of listening and, and seeing what what she's been saying about this. And one of the things that I I read on a post, one of her posts from a while back, I don't even remember, that really struck me was that a lot of times the the our our need to perform and achieve and overachieve comes from I think she said uh, this this mother wound and I was always under the impression impression that it was father wound that caused us to do that and it was a while back and so I don't remember exactly everything that she was saying but I just remember being struck by that and like oh my gosh like oh but then it also makes sense because a lot of times you hear you know what are the stereotypes that you hear about mothers in different cultural communities oh your mother guilt trips you or your mother's overly critical or different things like that so that totally tracks and makes sense my mother was not she wasn't either of those things with me she wasn't overly critical and she wasn't she wasn't like the the guilt tripper like manipulative type she just wasn't that way but i could see maybe a level of, of codependence in my relationship with her and that's something that I've been just kind of working through and sitting with on my own for a while now. But yeah, I think those general stereotypes that we've we've heard and seen, in addition to the not stereotypes, but very real things that people say about having a very unhealthy relationship with their mom. That's what I think of now when I think of like a, a mother wound. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I recall seeing that post that she made, too. And um, and the way she if I'm not mistaken, the way she explained it, the things that we think are our father wounds, our daddy issues. It she was saying that it's actually birthed from the mother wound because our mothers teach us how to love and behave when it comes to our fathers. Like if they're watching the way that she that 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 the mother is engaging and interacting with, with the, with the father, then they tend to mirror what the, what the mother is doing. And so the wound is not actually from the father, but from the mother, because mama is teaching her how to love and interact and engage and engage with her dad. I thought that was very fascinating because like, yeah, I thought that the issues that I had were had were with my dad were just specifically because he, he daddy and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. But when right. I began to really give it some thought, then there were some things that perhaps my mom had passed down to me. And when we're talking about talking about the motherhood, the mother wound, I want to be specific in saying that we are not here to demonize mothers. That's not what we're here for. We oh, are right. our ultimate goal in every conversation that we have is to, is to heal. And the, heal. Only way, the only way we can get the healing that we need is to get to the root of what's causing us emotional pain and trauma. So I want to be very clear on here. We are not here to demonize mothers because I love mine dearly, honey. Yep. Has yep. she always done everything right? No, she hasn't. Have I always done everything right? No, I haven't. But the point we're making is that some of the things that the way that we live and, and breathe and, and move and have our being in this world 
is passed down to us from our mother. So in order for us to begin to heal from some of the things and do things differently, then we have to revisit the the um, experiences that we have with our mothers, whether those experience, experiences were direct or indirect. We have to deal with it. So please know that we are not demonizing mothers in this conversation. Now, having said all that, in my lifetime, y'all, I have talked to a number of women. And I can honestly say, just based on the information that I have about the mother wound, I think we all have them to some degree. Oh, yeah. Like some of us have had loving, like like Natalie was saying, like some of us have had loving and kind mothers and, you know, they, they were good to us. But those same mothers who were loving and kind also had wounded spirits. And yes, they did. Th- those wounds were passed down to us. And those wounds determine how we engage with people in and out of our lives. And then you you have other women who have had very different experiences. Again, like Natty was saying, um, maybe she maybe she she wasn't loving. Maybe she was unkind. Maybe she was distant, critical, or maybe even abusive. We don't know. But the point is, the loving and kind mothers had wounds, and so did the unloving and unkind mothers have wounds. So I just want to kind of talk about how those wounds contribute to the way that we live life and how they are manifested in our lives. And I think you mentioned a little bit of it earlier on, Natty, when you were talking about, I think I heard you mention people pleasing. And then, then there's, I mean, like for me, my mom was very, she was very humble. I don't know why I'm saying was. Anyway, she, she, my mom. You just met growing up. Coming right. up, oh, she, girl, that's this is how she presented. Yes. That's, like that literally scared me, but I'm back now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she, like she, when we were growing up, she was loving and kind and, and she was very humble and she had a really quiet spirit. So she, she rarely did things to shake the boat, you know, or rock the boat. Like she, and so if I had to, to put her in a category, I would easily place her in a people pleasing category. And so for me, that spilled over into my life because now that's how I are used to be. I'm slowly coming out of it because that's how I lived my life for several years. And that spilled over from my mom. And it's just, you know, that's just who she was. She was humble. And we talked a little little bit about that, um, Natty, in the previous episode. We were talking mm-hmm. about that what humble means. It's not about downplaying your achievements, but for my mom. It was about that because if you were talking about all the things that you did all the time, then that meant you were you were being braggadocious, and that meant mm-hmm. that you were operating from a spirit of pride. And the Bible mm-hmm. speaks against that, and so that's how my mom raised me. And so I, in turn, began to live in that space. And so when there were huge things happening, you spoke about it once or, or twice, but then you were done with that. And so, mm-hmm. like I said, we talked a little bit about that in the previous episode, how as Black women, we often downplay our achievements because we don't want people to think that we are better than they are or that we think we are, um, oh, she thinks she's something. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's a way that I, I feel like that's a way that the mother wound has given birth to the sister, the sister wound. And then another thing that I think about and you can just jump in here anytime at it because, you know, I just be talking. But another thing that I think about when I think about my personal life is when we have this natural mistrust of people and 
We're always oh, that's exactly what I was thinking about. (laughs) We're always exactly suspicious of their motives, and I think that I don't. I don't. Did that come from my mother? I'm. I don't really want to say that it came from my mom, but it could have because my mom had a natural mistrust for men because she had been betrayed by men for so long, Mm -hmm. starting you know starting with my dad. And so, yeah, I think that could that could have come from the mother wound too, because I watched her as she didn't freely love and give herself to other people because she didn't naturally trust them. So that could be coming from from the mother wound as well. I think so. I mean, it's funny because before you even said any of that, I was thinking about watching my own mom and just thinking about how stoic she was and how staunchly independent she was and she also was was i wouldn't say quiet it wasn't that she was quiet it's um she just it was like she she knew when she felt like speaking and if she didn't feel like speaking it was okay you know like it wasn't a i'm going she wasn't i don't think it was her silencing herself or anything like that because as a child i I don't remember feeling silenced around her. I felt, I remember feeling silenced around my dad. But the issue there is what you said about we learn these things from our mothers, right? Mm -hmm. So our mothers are teaching us what can and cannot be tolerated, I guess. Mm -hmm. So when it came to my dad, if stuff really, really, really upset her, she was going to let him know. If it only kind of marginally upset her, she might let it ride. But the thing is, she was never actually letting anything ride. And I know that she definitely passed that on to me because that's exactly how I am. Mm-hmm. I am learning now to speak up more often. And I've had these conversations with my husband a number of times just since the pandemic started. I'm not going to just sit and let stuff ride anymore. If something bothers me, I might not come out right that minute and say something, but I'm not going to let it ride. I might let 10, 20 minutes go by and be like, you know what? Okay, fine. Yeah. I feel some kind of way about this and we're going to have to talk about it right now. That kind of thing, which is what my mom didn't do. And the other thing that I remember about her, I think she also had trust issues. She, her father, my grandfather was an alcoholic and he cheated on her mother. He had three outside kids. My mom was one of five, five of her mother's kids. And then there were three other kids. This was while they were married. And I remember her telling me about an incident one night where he came home drunk and, you know, very late at night and she punched him and, and hit him clear across the room. And he stayed there and didn't get up until the next morning, like, because he was drunk. So my father fell in love with her. They, they, they knew each other in high school. And he asked her to marry him. And she said no. And so my father married someone else, ended up getting divorced, went back to my mom, asked her to marry him again. She said no. So my father ended up getting married again, ended up getting divorced. He was married two other times before he married my mom. And my mom told me that the last time he asked her to marry him, the third time, he said, you know, if you say no this time, I'll know you just really don't 
want to have, have anything to do with me and I, I won't bother you again. And she finally said yes. And I remember asking, I think I was like a teenager or a young adult. And I was like, why did you, why did you turn around? And she just said, I just wasn't ready. I didn't want to do all that right now. I, I wanted to travel and I wanted to do this and that. And, do, do, do. and I think also she didn't fully trust him because of the of watching what she, watching what her mother went through. Not that that was always just in the in the forefront of everything in my home or anything like that, but just thinking about how she was and how my dad was, I realized that, yeah, I, I have severe trust issues. And I know those came from my mother, not my dad, because I think in the end, she didn't fully trust him because he also cheated on her. So there was definitely this vibe of, at the end of the day, you can't trust anyone but yourself. And so she was extremely independent. Right. And while you were talking, I was thinking about the whole cheating aspect of it because my dad cheated on cheated on my mom as well. And so while you were talking, I was questioning whether or not the fact that some women don't trust other black women is be- perhaps because our daddy dad cheated on our mom with other mm-hmm. black women. With other black women. Yeah. So maybe that contributes to our um hesitancy to engage in friendship with black women because like we were saying Mm -hmm. in the previous episode we want like whoever hurt us or whoever we think hurt us we often take that out on the people that look like them so perhaps and this is just an open conversation y'all natty and i like we say in 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 almost every episode we don't deem ourselves experts in these times. No, we're not. We're not experts. Like Shirley already told y'all, who the expert <laughs> is in this subject. We're just having a conversation exactly. around what we've, what what material of hers that we've been able to yeah, engage but, a yeah, little bit you around. Know, just you know, just having and just trying to put two and two together in our own exactly. heads about our own personal exactly. experiences. That's it. If y'all if y'all want expert uh, material, y'all can always follow Jennifer on. Instagram and I think mm-hmm. she's at I think she's at Black Mother Wound, if I'm not mistaken. And I'll leave that in the show notes of this episode as well. She has a lot of great information out there and she mm-hmm. actually has courses on this particular topic. But again, what what we're doing is just trying to you know connect the dots specifically. And so um yeah, I think that that could have something to do with it. Like if we're talking about us being hesitant about forming friendships, then perhaps that could have something to do with it. Perhaps we're looking at the fact that my dad cheated on my mom with another woman. And now I have this natural mistrust for all women because Mm -hmm. she knew that my dad was married and maybe she didn't know Mm -hmm. in the beginning, but she found out and she continued to engage in that relationship. So I'm thinking that maybe that could possibly contribute to us not wanting to be in friendships. And we're quick to say, Oh, I don't, I don't trust women or, and I've heard people say, I don't, I don't trust black women specifically. Mm -hmm. And so that could that be that could be contributing to it, you know? Well, yeah, I think a lot of times we are speaking we might just be speaking from our woundedness when we say I don't trust other black women. Mm-hmm. Because what we talked about in the last episode was how we're all we've got. And deep down, as much as we I'll use myself as an example, as much as I love the concept of relationship and wanting to be in right and healthy relationship with other people and wanting to feel um, like I'm in community with other people. I especially want that with other black women. I definitely want that with other black women, 
So the fact that some of us would say, which I've never actually said that, but a lot of people would have, I've heard people say, oh, well, I, I can't, I, you know, you can't. And from just other black women saying, I don't trust black women. I think that's from, that's from that, that, that sense of, of woundedness. And it could be something like, oh, well, what we grew up with and what we witnessed our mothers go through or whatever, or what we suffered at the hands of our mothers mm-hmm. or at the hands of our aunts or whoever, or grandmothers, that could also be a reason why we say we don't trust each other. And then that leads to the cattiness and the, and the, and the judgmental attitudes and, and the constant, you know, wanting to tear each other down and no one ever being good enough. Or if people are good, they're, oh, they're too good. They're high sedity and all this kind of stuff. There's, that's definitely wounded. That's just woundedness talking. Because we said last episode that what we really wanted was to feel like we were in sisterhood with other black women. Exactly. So they're not both true. Only one of those things is really true. And for me, it's, it's, it's the wanting to be in sisterhood and in, in relationship in a community with black women. So the other thing about not feeling like you can't trust them, that is from, that's coming from a place of woundedness. And maybe that's what that's, what, what that's about. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. I'm not for certain. I'm just saying things. <laughs> Listen, I think it's quite possible because, I mean, it's like we were talking in the episode, in, um, not the episode, but the conversation we actually had last night, which I'll be releasing, releasing on the podcast as well when we were talking about the social socialization of little but the socialization to be strong or a girl i forgot how it was right but anyway we were talking about raising little black girls to be strong black women and when we were having that mm-hmm. conversation we talked about gosh i don't even know what i was saying just now. we talked about so much we really did we talked we talked about we talked about so much but god i had a point in all of that oh about the woundedness yeah, I don't know what I was saying about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, girl, I understand that because I lose my train of thought. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, but yeah, we, I had a dollar for every time I lost my train girl, of thought. Girl, it's nowadays. so crazy, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, but we, but we do pass those things down to our children, and whether, like I was saying earlier, whether we do it directly or indirectly, it's passed down because our children are constantly watching us, and they're watching what we're doing, they're watching how we behave, and they're watching how we're leave, living and, and breathing. And so a lot of the things that, that we think are not impacting their lives are actually impacting their lives. Now, it may not manifest itself until a little later on, but it will manifest itself. Like, yeah. like, like we were saying, in the way that they, that they are in relationship with people, whether it be male or female. We talked a little bit about, about that as well. But the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that all every experience that we that we experience in our childhood contributes to the way that we live in our adulthood. And a lot of times it's because we are watching our mothers live and do the mm-hmm. things that they do, the way they do the things that they do. And so for us, I guess the next question I would have is. How do we begin to, because y'all know we're about healing on this journey. How do we begin to unlearn the behaviors and the beliefs that our parents have passed down to us? Those things that we are labeling as generational trauma. How are we 
how we how do we how do we get to a place where we begin to start unlearning those? Well, one of the things uh, I, I think I mentioned this if in the last episode or the one before it. Again, this is just me doing me, doing like my own thing. This is what I've done, what I am currently doing. A, there's been a lot of forgiveness work in it for me. And I don't mean like, oh, forgiveness because I'm so deeply angry at my parents. I'm not, I'm not like whatever bits of anger I had at either of my parents. I feel like that just mel- that melted away years ago. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to look at things squarely and be a lot more objective. But what I mean by forgiveness work is saying in, in my heart to my parents, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand why this is the place that you were in. I understand the events and circumstances that led up to you moving in this particular way in your life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you bottled for me. I totally understand. The more I look back, the more I get it. I really do get it. And so I absolutely hold no, I, I, I don't stand in judgment of them at all for that. And it's not to say that you you can't hold your parents accountable because more than one thing can be true, right? At the same time, your parents did the best that they could with the knowledge that they had and the resources that they had at the time. That's true. Also, their best was not good enough. Their best may have physically, materially harmed you in very real ways, emotionally damaged you. That's also true. So I'm not, I'm not saying that you give your parents a pass or try and or try and smooth over very real harm done. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for me in particular, I'm able to look back at family history and different things, um, social history as it relates to my family, trauma as it relates to my family. And I can't see any other outcome than the one that my parents had. And given that, like, I would not have expected them to act any differently, honestly. Not saying that it was right, but it's like, how, how, were, how else were they going to be being in that kind of state where they were facing the trauma that they faced and, and being the kind of people that they had been raised to be like, there's, there's really, it's like, what do you do with that? Like you want to, do you want to lash someone over the head? It's like, they're already gone. My parents anyway. And what good is that going to do? Right. So that's not going to help in healing me and helping me mother my children better. What is going to help is me standing in a place of extreme understanding and compassion toward them exactly. because I'm learning to stand in a place of extreme understanding and compassion toward myself. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to do that for myself, I've got to be able to do that for the people that I love and the people who loved me. Like, cause we're expected to be, do, to do that for the, for other people that we don't know and people that, you know, are around us just because that's the human and decent thing to do. So I'm, I've, I've done that. 
I've been doing that work. And in doing that work, I've been able to really, again, like I said, look squarely and very objectively at their actions and the, the, and specifically the actions that I have modeled throughout my adult life. And then it's just, you know, like you said, how do you unlearn that? I think about, well, the things that they were going through, those aren't the same things that I've gone through in the society that I live in. I've faced a different type of, you know, death by a thousand tiny cuts, you know, all the microaggressions and things like that. And then the constant trauma in our, in our faces on the media and seeing constant Black people being killed by police violence and, and that sort of thing. That's a little bit different. So I think about, I mean, just this is the state that I'm in right this minute, as a matter of fact. My first instinct is to completely disassociate, like completely disassociate from my body and detach and just be numb mm-hmm. because it because it's just too much. It hurts too much. And, and if, if, if I allow myself to feel it all, I'm going to be irrationally, well, not irrationally, very rationally angry, but like what a lot of people would think is overboard angry. And I don't want to do that. So I'm like, oh, God. So that's my first instinct is to detach, which is the way my parents did. That's, that was their depression, right? That was their never talking about things, right? Mm-hmm. So the way I can combat, combat that is to actually talk about things, wow. to actually talk about what's bothering me, to actually talk about what's hurting, like we were talking last night, to actually feel my anger mm-hmm. and allow myself to feel it allow myself to have reactions and allow myself to express those reactions. That is something that I was not taught by my parents to do. That's something that I'm having to teach myself. Um, I've heard a lot of people call it like reparenting yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I'm at. And that is the unlearning. And in doing that, my children are also observing that. Like it's not like me. I'm I'm in the living room performing this, but they see they see they see me speaking up. They see me saying, "This is I'm not having a good day right now. I don't feel good. I'm upset." They they hear me talking to my oldest son or to my husband about issues. Um, Again, we're not like in the room with them saying things, but they come. You know, everyone's going in and out of different rooms. They they hear it. They hear us not being. They hear me not being silent, and so they're learning. Wait, because I don't they're, have to be they're watching how how you're living. Yeah, it's no longer it's it. not necessarily about what's coming out of your mouth. It's about how you're living and how you. How live. yes, and that's, that's right. That's, that's what that's what shows them or teaches them that they have a right to have a voice. They have a right to speak up for themselves. They have a right to feel a feeling, you know, and all those mm-hmm. things because they're watching mom living. And they're watching how she's moving. And mom is expressing how she's feeling. She's she's not being silent about it. So that in turn gives them permission to do the same. And that goes the same right. with um, two things that I that I noticed while you were talking. Number one, you were talking about how we need to acknowledge that our parents didn't do everything right, but they did the best that they could. And in in acknowledging that, we have to offer up some compassion because they did do what they thought they were supposed to do. 
some of them did. Some of them. Did. Some of them did. Not all some, of them. Some Not all of them. Some yeah. of them were wretched, and yeah, and I just want to make that, that clear <laughs> yeah, that I that I recognize that and I acknowledge that. Right. Exactly. So they did the best they could. So we want to offer a compassion for that, but you know, there's always exceptions to to mm-hmm. every rule. But I also wanted to um, talk about how when we were talking about unlearning and relearning and reparenting and those things, I think it's important for us to take a step back and be able to separate our experiences from our parents' lived experiences because sometimes those things get intertwined Mm -hmm. and it's hard for us to separate the fact that that's what happened in mom's relationship or that's what happened in mom's friendship and just because it happened in mom's friendships it doesn't mean that it's going to doesn't mean it's going to happen in mine and so we have to be able to separate ourselves from that like pick ourselves up out of that space where all we're thinking about is the way mom and her friendship ended or the way mom and dad's relationship ended be able to pick ourselves up out of that space and place ourselves in a space where we're only looking at how we are functioning and breathing in a particular relationship. And I think that's where, the number one, the healing begins because we're acknowledging that mom did a thing. And, and just because mom did it that way doesn't mean that I have to do it that way. We are now giving our permission, giving ourselves permission to do it differently. And number two is I have a right to live my life on my own terms. And just right. because mom did it that way doesn't mean that I did it that way. And just because it ended that way for mom doesn't mean it's going to end that way for me. And I know with my children, I am very careful about telling them that you don't have to do it the way I did. I stayed in right. a functional relationship for 10 years, on and off, 10 years, on and off, 10 years. And so they are aware that of you know, the fact that I did that. And so I make it abundantly clear for them. That didn't work for me. It looked like it was working, but it didn't work for me. But at the same time, I give them permission to make their own choices. Like, if you feel like, you know, you got to give it one more shot, then that's between you and, you know, yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, those are things that you have to work out within yourself. Now, am I giving them permission to stay in an unhealthy relationship? Absolutely not. But as parents, we have to give our children room to make their own choice. Right. Well, because you can't live your life for them. You can't live their life for them. You can only live your life and let them live their life. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's not always, it's it's not always easy for us to do that. It's certainly not easy. Yeah. It's girl. It's not because you want to ring them back in and say, Hey, that ain't Mm -hmm. the way you do it. But when we do that, we are, in my opinion, causing them additional trauma because now you put them in a position where they're toiling over should I do what mom expects me to do mm-hmm. or should I do what's making me happy in this moment or you know what they think making them happy but that's a story for them. <laughs> <laughs> you know but well, what is mean, life honestly <laughs> if not making a series of mistakes, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, a series of mistakes and we pick ourselves up and we learn from that and so we learn. Think, yeah you know when we're talking about this mother this mother wound and the, and the sister room, I think number one is parents. We have to give our children permission to do life differently. And number two, as adult Black women, we have to give ourselves permission to do life differently. 
Yes. We have to yes. be able to separate our experiences from those experiences of our parents. And that is so difficult because we all look to our mothers for safety and support mm -hmm. and we think they have all the answers. So if mama did it that way, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. But that is not necessarily true. So you have to examine That's not necessarily true. Right. You have to right. examine each circumstance and each situation and decide whether or not that works for you. And if it doesn't, don't do it. Yeah. And that's how you keep from that's how you I think that's how you keep yourself from um, falling into the trap of, oh, I don't trust women or I don't want to be friends with women and all of that is to separate yourself from somebody else's experiences and make mm -hmm. sure that you are making the choice that you're making on your experiences and your experiences only. And that uh -huh. you're making, yeah. the, making those choices from a place, from a healthy place. Because even even if you're not basing it on your, on your mother's experience and you're basing it on an experience that caused you emotional trauma you need to do the work before you decide that hey i don't want that person in my life anymore because now you're making making um your choice based on a trauma response mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. like me and daddy mm -hmm. say every episode do your work <laughs> do your work and like the, the stuff that i that i mentioned that i'm in the midst of myself that is my work mm -hmm. your work might look a little different exactly. um, because we're different people. But the bottom line is in engaging with your grief, understanding this is something that I've been working on a lot this year too. I've, I've actually been, I've written quite a few poems about it. Um, I'm probably going to write more, but I'm, I'm doing a deep unlearning and relearning mm -hmm. on what grief actually is. And it's helped me to stop denying it and running from it or trying to run from it. And that's part of my work too. My part of my work um, this year especially has been to actually embrace my grief and recognize it for what it really is. I think we as a society have learned, we've been taught that it's somehow the, the big bad monster. Grief is the monster. Grief is the is the culprit. Grief is the this is the 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 thing that did the bad thing. No, the the event is the bad thing. The event right. that causes the loss, that causes the pain, that is the monster. Grief is what shows up mm -hmm. to help us actually live and move through our days, mm -hmm. because we're moving through the rest of our days with that loss, and we have just refused to to see it that way. And in and as a result, we've done a lot of things to hurt ourselves and hurt others mm -hmm. because we refuse to see our grief for what it is. We refuse to embrace it. We refuse to live with it. And so part of my work this year has been really buckling down and learning to live mm -hmm. with my grief. And seeing it as not is not the bad guy because how is it how is it the bad guy? It's never going away. The people that I've lost, the things that I've lost, are never coming back. Mm -hmm. So the grief is never going away. So you're telling me I'm going to live with something that's never going away, but is designed to hurt me in each and every day? No, it 
it must be something other than that. It must be different. It must be, hey, this is not out to hurt me. This is out to accompany me. So that when I'm feeling some type of way and there's no one to turn to and no one to talk to, that's the companion I'm going to talk to. When I don't know what it is I'm feeling and I can't express it, I don't have words for it, that's the companion that's sitting with me and allowing me to feel without having to put words to it. So that's the work that I'm doing now. And as I've been doing that work since the pandemic started, I can't explain, I really, I can't explain the kind of healing that I have experienced. I, I can't explain it. I have a lot of ways to, a lot of ways, a long ways to go. I still need therapy for a lot of different things. But around this grief, this is something that is, I feel like there's a whole world opening up to me now, emotionally speaking, that I, that was closed off to me before. I mean, it's just like a lot of the things that, that we've gone through. When people think about think about grief, they oftentimes think about, you know, somebody dying or grieving. But grief comes in, in so many forms. Like you you grieve, you know, what you had hoped a relationship would be. Mm-hmm. You grieve the loss of material things. And if you can mm-hmm. get to get to a point where you learn to live with that grief, and by live with we mean process and do your work, you know, knowing that it's a natural part of life, then that's how you through that thing and that's how that's how you go on that's how you go that's how you go on and that's how you get to a space in your life where you are not allowing the grief to control how you're living and doing right because here's the gag the grief isn't wanting to control your life exactly the grief is wanting to be your new companion it arrives at your house unannounced yes Mm -hmm. But it's like, hey, I was sent here. So I'm just, can I, can I crash? Because this is where I was sent. And I just need like, you know, three small square meals a day, place right. to lay my head, you know. And here you are trying to shove it, shove this new, new house guest, new part of your family, you know, into the attic or basement and lock it up, throw away the key. Like it's the, the random, you know, weird uncle that no one ever knows about, that kind of thing. And that's not what it's there for. And it's not there to control you. It's not there to, to, to run your life. You do all of these things and you end up making all kinds of harmful decisions, harmful, harmful to yourself, hopefully not harmful to others, but sometimes harmful to other, others because that's what you're doing in place of letting the house guest out of the attic. It's like, I'm going to do anything and everything, but take care of my new house guest. And so that's like, wait, what? That doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. Like this isn't the thing that's telling you to go abuse other people or abuse yourself. Mm-hmm. You're doing all that stuff to it. In, in, in an effort to ignore it, it basically becomes the elephant in the room. And it didn't show up trying to be an elephant. It really didn't. It's like you're treating it that way. Who wants an elephant in a room? Nobody wants an elephant in a room. <laughs> like, that's like, you want 
well, that's my, my metaphor is going to fall apart because like elephants belong out in the wild. And so, so no, but some, some pet that you don't take care of, right? that's a better metaphor. And if you don't take care of it, if you don't give it, you know, the flea collar, if you don't feed it, if you don't change the litter box or have a cat, then yeah, the house ends up stinking. The cat ends up chewing on things and stuff that it shouldn't be chewing on, trying to get into your food, and you end up with fleas all over your carpet. Instead of just taking care of the pet, like instead of instead of neglecting it, you could take care of it. But no, you have all these other priorities. You're going and doing all these other things. So you forget to buy the cat food. You let the litter box go another day and then another day. And then an, instead of actually just cleaning it. Now, I don't really have that problem because I have one of those self-cleaning litter boxes. Those are great. Um, every three weeks, though, you have to change the tray. And that's also super easy, super convenient. I highly recommend if you have a cat. But <laughs> all the other things that you should be doing to like... and my cat wants 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 attention she wants affection and so you but you know what are we doing like are we going to ignore the cat no no we sit down with her and we let her rub up on us even though she has a lot of cat hair we let her get on our lap and we pet her and she purrs and she stretches out and she closes her eyes and she feels good that's us not ignoring the pet so yeah a better metaphor is like grief is the new pet that got sent to your house and it's like, hey, I'm here. Please take care of me. And if you take care of me, I'm going to take care of you because that's actually what I was sent here to do. And just to bring all of that back home. <laughs> right. Because we were talking about wounds has nothing to do. That was just me talking about some of the work that yes, I'm yes, doing. Some of, the, some of the work, some of the work you do. I just kind of wanted mm -hmm. to um, piggyback on that, you know, to um, kind of talk about how we grieve the relationship that we wish we had had with our mothers and um, yeah, how yeah. we can continue to do like, like Natty was saying, in order to like her cat can't be, can't be ignored. Like she has to love on her cat. Her cat wants attention, but you have to also give your grief attention. Like she's saying, like if you're grieving a relationship that you wish you had with, with your mother, then you have to deal with that. It's not. You have okay. to face it. If you, you have if to talk grieve, about it. If you're grieving something that she did or, or she didn't do that caused you, you know, emo emotional trauma, then you have to deal with that. You know, those you can't bury that down and bottle it up and away. pretend it never happened. Exactly. And dealing with it doesn't doesn't look like carrying it oh carrying it over into your new relationship. Dealing with no. it is saying, Okay, it shouldn't have been done this way. This is how I want to do it differently and asking the mm -hmm. right questions. You know, how do I feel about it? How is it contributing to the way that, I, that I'm living my life now? And then begin to process and do those things. Like Natty, Natty, she's doing her work, you know, around the grief. And so I think that's, a, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very important thing. We need to look at what we are grieving when it comes to relationships with our parents, when it comes to relationships mm -hmm. with um, broken friendships and, and sisterhoods, what are we, what specifically are we grieving? And then deal with whatever that grief is, whatever the loss is that's causing us grief. And we have to begin to deal with that. And as we begin to wrap this episode up, because we didn't want to be on here hour like we were the last time. <laughs> if I these, to, these topics might end up being hour long episodes. Yes, Who because, knows? Because these are things that these are things that we need to have conversations about. 
And even in, in, you know, our very first episode of this season, we talked, we said that we were going deeper and harder than we've ever gone before. And so, and that's because we are, we want to see black women healed, whole and happy. Mm -hmm. And that can happen when when you do your work and in doing your work, that means you're going to have to dig a little deeper. That means you're going to have to do some things that, that you've never done before. And that's going to, and they'll be uncomfortable and it will be extremely uncomfortable. That's going to mean calling some people out that have caused you harm. And that's going to mean that the person you're calling out may be your mother. Yeah. The person you're calling out may be your father. The person you're calling out may be your best friend. It's going to mean causing, calling some people out because the only way we can finally dish this superwoman case. And like I say, we are constantly arriving. The only way we can start walking in that direction is to acknowledge the things that have us caping, masking, and hiding. And let me just tell y'all, it ain't going to be pretty. It's going to be messy. And it's probably going to cause you more pain before it causes you happiness and peace. It's probably because it's going to open up. A lot of wounds. Mm-hmm. So as, like I was saying, as as we begin to wrap it up, if I had to sum up what the, what we've lost to the cape in in relationship in relation to this specific episode, I would say we've lost trust, we've lost love, we've lost kindness, and we have lost our ability our ability to nurture our ability to nurture and be nurtured, and all of those things. Oftentimes, come from the relationships or the lack thereof with our moms. And so, in order to begin to heal the sisterhood wound, then we've got to go back in time and visit the relationship that we have with our mother and ask ourselves, what is it in this relationship that's causing me to mistrust my sister? And then be honest about it. And like Natty was saying, I'm going to keep saying grief because grief, like I say, grief comes in so many different forms. So you have to grieve the loss of mom not doing or handling a situation or handling you the way she should have or loving you and loving on you the way she should have. Acknowledge that she didn't do it. What could she have done differently? And what will I do differently moving forward? You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, the black mother wound is why some of us find it difficult to have relationship with other women. And you know, like I said in the beginning, it is Nadi and I just sharing our experiences. You know, we're not experts in 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 the mother wound, but you know, just based on some of the conversation that we've had today, I would honestly say that it definitely contrib- contributes to the way that we are in relationship with uh, other women. I think it's safe to say. Safe. I think so too. <laughs> she thinks so too. All right, y'all. <laughs> We're going to get ready to wrap it up. Well, we are going to wrap it up, but just, you know, just a quick wrap up. What we talked about in this episode is how the mother wound contributes to the broken sisterhood. Um, that's some things that we can do to begin to heal from those things. And yeah, how we can do, how we can pretty much do life differently. So 
In closing, don't forget to take the Superwoman quiz. That's shadesofstrong.com forward slash Superwoman quiz. And um, those are, I feel like I just, you know, wrapped it up, you know, like the preacher do in the pulpit. You know, so Nat, what you got? <laughs> Doors of the church are open, huh? Um, <laughs> no, that's about it. That's about it. I guess I'm ready for the benediction. Yes, honey. Well, let's just benedict right on out of here then. <laughs> All right, y'all. We are out of here. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Like I said, remember to take the Superwoman quiz. Check out our Black from the Past episode. Natty has an awesome lineup for you guys. So, yeah, check all that out. Shadestrong.com. All that good stuff. Follow us on IG. Y'all know what to do. Y'all know how we do all of the time. So, yeah, we out of here. Peace. Bye.